Well, uh, every Sunday morning, I don't know how many of you know this, every Sunday morning before this happens in church at 10 a.m., our, our band is practicing these same songs that they just led you in, did a fantastic job, amen? Uh, today, yeah, we can give it up for them. Right before this service, they're, they're practicing all these songs because they want to lead you without distraction. Uh, they want to help you be in tune with the worship of God. They want to worship themselves as they lead you to worship God out there. And, and while they're doing that out here on the stage, I'm backstage uh, looking over my notes and praying as I get ready to preach. Now, uh, backstage as I'm doing that while they're practicing on stage, I can only hear the electric guitar. And there's a reason for that. Uh, because backstage, there is an amp that's just connected to the electric guitar. It's just amplifying the electric guitar. So when I'm backstage, kind of looking at my notes, praying, studying, I can just hear this bounce, 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 bounce. That wasn't good uh, interpretation of what Brady does. He does a great job too. But that's all I can hear is that one part of this. And honestly, I know the set list. Like Colin and I planned this together. Like I know the songs, but just hearing that one part, like I can't really make out even the song. Right, because I can't hear the rest of the band. I can't hear the keys, right? I can't hear the drums. I can't hear the words. I can't hear the vocals. And so I can't even make out the big picture of what the song actually is. Now, many of us, that's the way we live life, right? We live life just listening to one part. Now, typically for a lot of us, it's similar to today and this morning. We just listen to the loudest part. All right, whatever the loudest part that's banging in our ears, typically what's pressing that day, what's your priority list or task list that day at work, or what's going on with the family, the kids are sick, that's the loudest thing, right? And many times we live life just in response to that, and we don't consider any of the other parts. And we miss out on the big picture, the actual song. We miss out on the big picture of life. Now, uh, we miss out when we do that. And one specific thing that a lot of us miss out, the other parts of life that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to listen to, we don't want to address, is death, is loss, right? We, we, we focus on today, what's most pressing, what's loudest. We don't focus on that part of life, and therefore we miss the bigger picture of life, and, and we're not responding to the reality of life when we do that. So last week, we started this little two-part mini-series on loss, on death. And last week we, we looked at it. If you were here, we looked at how do we learn, how do we lament through a loss? Today, we're going to look at how do we live in light of loss? If this is a part of life that we need to be listening to, how do we live in light of that last day? And so we're going to look at it together. Ecclesiastes is where we're going to be. That's where we were last week. So grab a Bible, grab a Bible app on your phone, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Uh, if you do have a physical copy of the scriptures, you're going to want to go to the middle of your Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, then you have Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in chapter 9. Here's who wrote Ecclesiastes. It's Solomon. Uh, maybe some of you, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've kind of heard about Solomon. He was the wisest man who ever lived, like outside of Jesus. He was also one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And as he writes Ecclesiastes, what's unique about Ecclesiastes is Solomon is at the end of life. And so as you, as you hear these words, as, as Lori just read them, you need to picture like an old grandpa sitting down next to you with a cup of coffee telling you about life. 
sharing life's wisdom with you. That's Ecclesiastes, that's Ecclesiastes 9. And our first point, if you do take notes, is this. It's life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Look at verse 1 again with me. It says this, but all this I laid to heart, examining, examining it all. Now, Solomon uh, is just been wrestling with a lot of things. Just to give you some background, you can go back and read it on your own. Solomon chapter 8, he is wrestling with some of life's biggest questions, some of the questions that you wrestle with, like, hey, why don't good things always happen to good people? Hey, why don't bad things always happen to bad people? Solomon's wrestling with those questions, and he's starting to come to a conclusion, and we get it here. He says, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. He says, hey, at the end of the day, I don't understand everything, but God is in control. We are not. Then he says, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. Another translation says both await him. So Solomon just got through wrestling with some of life's biggest questions, and he's starting to come to a conclusion. And notice what his conclusion is. You see it right in the text. He says, man does not know. In fact, several times, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, 10, and 11, he repeats these phrases, no man knows, you do not know. That's still true for us today, isn't it? Like, even with all our education, with all our advancements, with all our technology, 2019, there are just some things that we don't know, right? I think we see this best when we go to the doctor, <laughs> Uh, I think some of you will be able to relate to this. Uh, earlier this year, I was at the doctor at the hospital uh, with my mom. We were in Texas visiting. My mom had a lot of health problems, kind of a scare while we were there. And so we were in the hospital a lot in our visit to Texas. And I got to be with her as the doctor would come in the room. And one doctor would come in the room and say, hey, uh, there's a lot going on, a lot of problems, uh, but I think I got the solution. The solution is your sodium was so high that it spiked your blood pressure so high, and that's why you're having these health problems. We're like, okay, that's, okay, we can manage that, and what do we need to do? Okay, doctor, tell us all about that. And the very next day, the second doctor comes in, and he says, hey, you know what? I, I think I got the solution. I think I got the solution to this problem. Uh, I think your sodium levels are too low. And, uh, in fact, we need to prescribe a supplement to you to help with that. And I'm just sitting there, and I had a lot of thoughts in that moment, like, why do we pay for this? Um, but I, I thought, man, there's a lot we don't know. I, and it's not to crack on doctors. If you're a doctor, welcome. We're glad you're here. But, but I mean, some of you, like, if you, uh, if you thought a doctor was sitting next to you, you wouldn't say amen to that. You would just nod your head because you've experienced that. And you've started to realize in life, hey, there's a lot we know, but there's a lot we don't know, that life is unpredictable. But Solomon's going to tell us, hey, there is one thing we do know. There is one thing that all of us know, and it's that death is certain. That's our second point. Death is certain. Look at verse 2 with me. Verse 2, it says this. He says, it's the same for all. Since the same event, that's death, happens to the righteous and the wicked to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. He's saying this, hey, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the death rate is the same. It's one per person. Across the board. 
Uh, it was crazy last week um, as we talked about loss, as I talked to many of you after the sermon, and you came up to me and you said, hey, this was really helpful uh, as I've lost my, my dad. And somebody else said, hey, this was really helpful as I, I just lost my sibling just this last year. Someone said, hey, this was really helpful because during the sermon, I got a text and I, I'm listening to the sermon, but I look down and I see a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, found out she just has a few days to live. Uh, my oldest daughter, she's in fifth grade now, and she was in first grade. She had a classmate who got cancer and passed away. We all have to navigate this, and that's what Solomon is saying. Hey, hey, death is certain. This is a reality that we have to deal with no matter who you are. He continues, look at verse 3. He says, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. He says, also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Now, he kind of sidetracks a little bit here, and he's going to start talking about life in view of death, right? And so here's what he's saying there. He's saying, hey, we're all sinners, we all have some madness to us, some evil within us while we are living. So he's saying, hey, we're all sinners who die. Right, welcome to church. Uh, one thing you learn about Solomon just spending these two weeks in Ecclesiastes that's been kind of fun is Solomon is like a little bit of a Debbie Downer, right? If you haven't noticed that. Uh, but he's going to get a little bit brighter. I promise that is uh, coming in just a minute. Verse 4, look at that verse with me. He says, but he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Uh, in that culture, dogs were the lowest of lows. They were scavengers. Lions, as you know in our culture, they're kings of the jungle, right? Here's what he's saying there. He's saying, hey, um, it's better to be a servant who is alive than royalty who's dead, right? And he goes on to talk about this and flesh this out uh, a little bit more. Verse 5, look at that verse. He says, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now, this is just true, isn't it? How many of you know the name of your great-grandfather? How many of you have visited his grave, like in the last week, last month, last quarter? There's the reality that we see in the Old Testament that we also see in the New Testament, James chapter 5. Life is a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, like a spritzer in the bathroom. Just, and then it's gone. And Solomon is telling us something we all know about life. Verse 6, he says, their love and their hate and their envy has already perished, and forever they no more share in all that is done under the sun. Here's what Solomon is getting after here. Hey, hey life is unpredictable but death is certain. But he doesn't end there. He says, hey, it's good for us to talk about the reality of death, the certainty of death, because it teaches us how to live life, right? That's what we're talking about this today. Not just to be morbid, not just to be depressed. Well, we're all going to die. No, we're talking about death because it's actually good to talk about death because it gets us in tune with reality and it teaches us how to live, right? You tracking with me? So that's what Solomon is, is getting after, and the reality is some of you come in here this morning, and you're not satisfied with the way you're living. Like you thought, whatever, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, 60, you thought, hey, I thought I would be further along in life. Like if I'm honest in my career, I thought I'd be further along. 
thought I would've gotten that promotion by now. I thought we'd buy that house by now. I thought relationally, like in my marriage, I didn't think we'd still be struggling with the same old things. Personally, I didn't think I'd still have the same sin that I struggled with when I was 15, now at 50. And the reality is, if we're honest, a lot of us feel like, hey, I wish I was further along in life. And Solomon's challenging you, encouraging you at the same time today to say, hey, life is unpredictable, death is certain, but hey, if you're reading this, you're still alive. You still have breath in your lungs. And so you have the opportunity to change things. And so here's a question just to pause and ask yourself before we go forward today is, what are the top three to five things that you're thinking about right now in life. Like as you walked in this room this morning, like what was filling your mind? As you drove to church this morning, what were you thinking about? What what are you thinking about? Hey, I need to do this. I need to accomplish this. Hey, I love this. Hey, this is really important to me. What were those things today? Second question, if later today you found out for whatever reason you're not gonna live to see 2020, What would change about those answers? What would change about your priorities? What would change about your thoughts, what you dream about, what you care about, what you're pursuing? What would change if you knew you were going to die? Solomon is giving you a picture of death to challenge you to live life urgently, expectantly, with the important things in life to God and to what God's word says. And so life is unpredictable. Death is certain. Third point, so live fully. Look at verse 7 with me. Verse 7, he says, so go. There's some urgency. And he says some things, get ready. He says some things that are going to be surprising to you. He says, so go, live life fully, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart. He basically says, enjoy dinner. We're going to get back to that. Verse 8, he says, let your garments be always white. Uh, Now, again, just to pause there, I know this can be confusing. There's two meanings with that. One is symbolic. White uh, stands for purity, uprightness, righteousness. But also really practically, garments of white were clothes of royalty. They were your Sunday best, right? So he's saying, get dressed up nice. And then he says, uh, let not oil be lacking on your head. Really similar, a couple different meanings there. Oil, some of you may may know, some of you have experienced this before. You were sick and somebody put oil on your head because symbolically it's a sign of healing, of holiness, right? But also literally in that culture, in that day, oil was used like if somebody invited you over for dinner, they might come to the door and greet you and put oil on your head. Now in 2019, if that happened, you'd be like, hey, bro, I just fixed my hair. I just shampooed it to get the oil out. I don't want more, but in that day, if somebody, if you walked in for dinner to a good friend's house and they poured oil on your head, you would have said, oh, thank you. Oh, you must really love me. Oh, you must really honor me because in that day, in that culture, that's what that oil did. And so that's what Solomon is talking about. Eat dinner, do it with friends, do it with people who encourage you, who who honor you. And then he continues, verse nine, he says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. I just love it there that Solomon says, hey, marriage is gonna be toil. It's gonna be work. You notice he doesn't say that about anything else? 
Like he didn't say, hey, enjoy dinner, like eat wine or eat food, drink wine, be merry, but there's gonna be some dishes later. He doesn't say that with anything else but marriage. He says, hey, love the wife uh, whom you're with, love her, love him, but there's gonna be some toil. It's gonna be work. And some of you think like you're married and you're like, amen. <laughs> like I love my spouse, but, it, but it's some work. And some of you who are engaged and, and dating, you're like, that ain't true, baby. <laughs> like, he don't know our love. And listen, you're gonna be the first ones in counseling, right? Because marriage is hard, right? It's, it's joyous, but it's hard. It's, it's toil. And listen, we talked about marriage for the last, like, uh, 10 weeks. Felt like 52 weeks. We talked about marriage and relationships for a long time, so I'm not gonna give you a whole nother sermon on marriage, but I would say, talking about life is unpredictable, death is certain, he, he says, hey, love your spouse. Here's a few things about that. It is hard, it's gonna take work, it's gonna take exclusivity and intentionality. That you can't do what Solomon is saying, you can't enjoy your spouse. In view of death, like, hey, what do I need to do? Enjoy my spouse. You can't do that if you're fantasizing about somebody else's spouse. You can't do that without exclusivity, right? Solomon, if you notice, he says singular, spouse. Enjoy your spouse, right? You can't do that without intentionality. Some of us, the reason marriage is so hard, harder than it has to be, is because your expectation going into marriage was, hey, you serve me. Because you had a list of requirements before you got married of how that was gonna go down. Come on. And when your spouse didn't do that, hey, this is not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to serve me. And listen, you can't enjoy the wife whom you love, the husband whom you love, unless you decide intentionally, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve her. Okay? And so Solomon gives us some things. And, and just to recap, that was a little side sermon. That was free. Um. How do we live in view of death, Solomon? Here's what he just said, in case you didn't catch it. Verse 7, eat, drink, be merry. Verse 8, get dressed up nice. Spend time with good friends. Get some oil on your head. Verse 9, enjoy your spouse. It's going to be work, but hey, enjoy it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, as I was studying that this week, it kind of threw me off. I, I just thought like, okay, Solomon, you're making this case. Like, how do we live in, in view of death? Like, death is, death is coming. What do we do? Like, what are our priorities? What do, we, what do they need to be? And these are the things you have for us? Like, eat bread with joy, drink wine and be merry, get dressed up, put some oil on your head. Like, enjoy your spouse. Man, I, I mean, those are good things, Solomon, but in view of death, like, that's your chant? That's your big rah-rah speech, and I struggle with that. Anybody else struggle with that? Anybody else surprised by that? Yeah, I was, as I studied this for quite a bit. I, I had to look, like in the Hebrew, like do some word studies, like surely there's more spiritual things in here. Like Solomon, do you know what you're talking about? And I, I imagine some of you are struggling with that even right now. So I want to help you. I want to give you some things that helped me as I did look deeper into this because I did. I read all the commentaries. I looked deeper into this, and it kept saying, yeah, Solomon is saying, hey, hey death is certain, so what do you do? You enjoy God's good gifts. 
Here's why I think we struggle with that. I want to give you a few things. First, when you see eat bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, don't picture Taco Bell. Don't picture a Hot Pocket, right? Don't picture McDonald's drive-thru. That in that day, in ancient culture, sitting down for a meal like good bread and good wine, sitting down for that was inherently communal. You sat down at a, at a table together. I know, like kids, I don't know if you've ever seen like a dinner table before, but, but they exist, and that, that was the way they did it back then. So as, as Solomon says, hey, like, eat bread and drink wine, he, he's, he's telling us a very holy thing to do, a very communal thing to do. Often you see in the Gospels, don't you? Jesus reclining at table in somebody's house for dinner. At certain times, uh, he, he's reclining at table and people come along like, Jesus, we got to go. Like, we got things to do. And Jesus is, is like, no, this is something we got to do. This is important. And so we got to broaden our, our spectrum of what eating dinner really means in that culture and what it can mean in our culture today. And second thing I would say, while we kind of struggle with what Solomon says here, is when you see eat bread with joy and, and drink your wine with a merry heart, some of you picture like drunkenness. Some of you picture debauchery. Because when you think like drink wine, you're just like, man, things get crazy, like YOLO. Like it just gets wild. Like, and is Solomon saying that? And you kind of struggle with that. And, and so I would just tell you, uh, Solomon is not saying YOLO. He's not saying go crazy. He's not saying get drunk. Notice he says, he doesn't say get drunk with wine. He says drink it. He says, eat, eat this bread with joy. Drink wine and, and be merry. He doesn't say get drunk. He says, hey, enjoy your spouse, singular, not plural. It's not debauchery. So Solomon is not endorsing sin. Some of you thought, like, drink wine, like, Tim, I can get behind this sermon. Like, it's a holy act. Like, I drank a lot already this weekend. Like, I didn't know I was so spiritual. And some of you got too excited about this, right? Come on. Because you've never heard about drinking in church. Like, that was something you didn't talk about. And you're like, we can do that in view of death? What do I do, drink wine? He's not talking about drunkenness. He's not talking about debauchery, right? So we need to get our mind around what Solomon is actually saying here. Uh, the third thing, and I think maybe this is the most important thing I would say, is Satan and our culture have hijacked joy and pleasure. Here, here's how it typically works, and maybe you've experienced this, is Typically in our, our culture, here, here's the way we think of it is, hey, go to church and be a Christian, be bored. Hey, live it up, YOLO, sin a lot, have fun, right? Anybody kind of grow up hearing that? Anybody just kind of experience that? Maybe you thought that's the way it is. Like, you're in church today, but it's because you're supposed to. It's because it's the religious, the right thing to do. And I believe one of the reasons why we, we see it that way is because Satan and our culture have really hijacked joy and pleasure, and they've taken it away from the creator of joy and pleasure, God. Right? If you look at the Bible, you see this all over the place. I'm just going to give you a few things. Psalm 16 says this, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Jesus, in John 10, says, I have come so that you may have life 
and have it to the full. Paul in Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. He repeats it because it's so important. He says, again, I will say, rejoice. Romans 5 says we actually rejoice even in suffering because we have a good God. And listen, this is important. Even when God is your only gift, because every other part of life is not going well, even when God is your only gift, you can enjoy him because he's enough. And you can have joy. And scripture speaks to that. The reality is we don't find less joy when we walk with God. We find true joy. That's what you see when you look at all the Bible. Uh, John Piper, a pastor and author who talks a lot about joy in relation to God. You should read him if you're wanting to understand more of that. John Piper said this. I think he sums it up well. He says, hey, if you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a streetlight. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you're going to be impressed with fireworks. If you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. See, when you reorient your understanding of joy, pleasure around God and the Bible, what he intended by that, what he meant by joy and pleasure, when you reorient your perspective around God, you start to see what true joy is, what true pleasure is. And I think for some of us, we struggle with, hey, life is unpredictable, death is certain. So what do we do, Solomon? Well, you just enjoy God's good gifts. And we struggle with that Maybe because of some legalism in our life, maybe because of our background, but I think ultimately we struggle with that because we don't understand God. We don't understand that God, even some of you today, you're saying, hey, well, Tim, I don't have a lot of good gifts. Like, I don't have the spouse that you talked about. I don't have, like, we don't have enough money to provide an amazing dinner around a table every night. Like, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to enjoy God because he is the greatest gift in the universe, And even if you don't have the table and you don't have the spouse, you have him and you find joy in him. That's why Romans 5 says we even rejoice in suffering because God is that good of a gift. And so I think these are several reasons why we struggle with what Solomon is saying. But we need to stop struggling with it. We need to start living it because death is certain. And so today we got to start enjoying some of these gifts. And so some of you, you need to examine your life and you need to look at, hey, am I sitting down with family and friends over a meal? When's the last time I did that? Am I making plans to do that? Or have I I allowed busyness, selfishness, distraction to invade my life in 2019, in my career, with my phone, to the extent that, man, I just... I ain't got time for dinner. I don't have time to sit down around a table, good food, good drink, reflect on God's goodness. Like, I don't have time to reflect on God's good gifts. And I would tell you, hey, life is unpredictable. Death is certain. You need to make time. You need to put the phone down. You need to put the work aside. And you need to sit down with your family around a table. And you need to eat together. And you need to pray together. You need to celebrate God's goodness together. You need to do that with friends. Be present with them. Make plans to do that. Some of you, as we talk about, hey, hey, death is a certain reality, your homework is to go home today and say, hey, honey, what is our plan for dinner for the rest of the week? Who are we inviting over for dinner? 
Some of you, after church today, you need to think, hey, who do I not know here that we can invite out for dinner? Because that's a holy act. And yes, death is certain. You need to do the things that are important, enjoy God's good gifts, and that is one of them. Some of you today need to make time to enjoy your spouse. That if you're honest with yourself, you just say, hey, I do spend time fantasizing about other spouses and not my own. Hey, I I do just kind of expect my spouse to serve me. Like when I come home from work or when he comes home from work or whatever the case is in your life, you think, hey, why don't you ask about my day? What about my needs? Oh, you had a hard day? What about my day? And some of you need to say, no, 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 I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to serve my spouse, not wait for them to serve me, and I'm going to enjoy my spouse. Why? Death is coming. You need to enjoy God's good gifts. Your spouse is one of those. Some of you who aren't married, you need to do that with friends. So we need to respond to what Solomon is saying, this challenge, this encouragement, to live life now in view of death then by enjoying God's good gifts. Last thing, verse 10. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in shale. Uh, literally, that's not hell, but that's the grave to which you are going. So Solomon wraps up here and says, hey, enjoy God's good gifts. Death is coming. But not just enjoy God's good gifts. I want you to work hard. I want you to work with all of your might. That's all your strength. That's all your skills. That's all the resources you've been given. You don't just enjoy God's good gifts. You contribute Right? You take whatever skills God has given you, whatever strength you have, whatever resources you have in your job, and your vocation, at home, at the church, and you say, hey, I'm going to do this with all my might. I'm not going to go halfway. Why? Death is certain. Death is coming. Today is the day I'm going to go all out. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to enjoy God's good gifts, but I'm also going to contribute. I love the way Charles Spurgeon, great old preacher, said it. He said this, no man ever served God by doing things tomorrow. But many of us, that's how we live life, right? Specifically with work. Some of you love the idea of enjoying good gifts. That's not hard for you, but you don't like to work. Some of you, like in your vocation, you're just like, hey, one day, like I'm going to start applying myself. I'm going to start paying attention at work. I'm going to take those extra classes. I'm going to do that extra thing. I'm going to make an impact in my cube, at this office, out on the construction property, like whatever it is. Like some of you think, like, one day I'm going to do it, but for right now, like, who is doing something on Twitter? And Solomon's going to say, hey, hey, death is certain. How do you need to respond? Enjoy God's good gifts, but also work with all your might. Hey, don't waste 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. 60 hours a week, do it with all your might. Don't, don't waste those chores, chores around the house. Do it with all your, your might. Death is coming. Don't waste a church. Don't just come in and consume and sit down and stand up and sing a song and leave and go eat lunch. No, whatever God finds you to do and, and whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. Wherever there's an opportunity to serve, do it with all your might. Go all the way. Start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow is a gift that you may not have. Do it today. So Solomon tells us, life is unpredictable. Death is certain, so live fully. Enjoy the gifts God's given you. Work with all your might. 
Start today. What needs to change about your life in view of death? As you consider the end, as you consider the last day, how does that change today? We would all do well to answer that question, to evaluate that question, and start living fully. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this text, for the book of Ecclesiastes, for the reality of even loss and how it teaches us how to live. God, we talked about a lot here today, and um, I just pray that you wouldn't let it uh, return void that you would let it be absorbed in our hearts and in our minds. God, we would really consider, okay, okay, death is a reality. How does that change my life? Okay, there will be a last day. How does that change today? And God, I know that there's some things that, for all of us in this room, these men and women, myself included, that we thought about today as we walked in, the, the things we want to accomplish today and this week. And God, I pray that, we would make some changes to those things, that we would make some changes to start enjoying your good gifts, that we would get some things out of the way so we can do that. And maybe there's some legalism inside of us that thinks, well, that's not spiritual enough, and I just pray that you would forgive us of that too. And you would help us to understand you're a good God who's a gift in yourself, but you also give us good gifts that we can enjoy. We need to start doing that today because we often don't. God, I pray that we would start to work hard and with all our might, we would make an impact and not think one day, but we would think today, whatever job we have, this church, our community, you've called us out, you've commissioned us to make an impact, to not go through the motions. Help us to do that today. Help us to live in light of death, to make an impact for your glory, for our joy, for the joy of the city of Phoenix, for the joy of everyone around us. God, use us in that way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.